This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Julian Shavaz to the program. How are you doing, Julian? Greetings and salutations, Bob. I am fantastic. How are you today? I'm doing well. Julian Shavaz is author of the book, Black Stars of Professional Wrestling. It's in its second edition. It's the story of the contributions of the black athletes participating in one of America's most popular sports entertainment events, professional wrestling. Julian Shabazz has written 10 books, one called How to Be a Player in the Publishing Industry. He formerly taught in the Department of Health, Physical Education, and Recreation at Benedict College in Columbia, South Carolina. Currently, he is a librarian in South Carolina and also a motivational speaker. Why did you write this book? Are you a pro wrestling fan? I must confess, yes, a lifelong professional wrestling fan. I'm actually, I grew up in South Carolina, as you mentioned, and in South Carolina, when I was growing up in the 70s, wrestling was still part of the old territory system and not the great one or two monopolies that that exist today. But there were programs, there were territories all over the country. And where I was, it was called the Mid-Atlantic Territory, promoted by Jim Crockett Promotions. The Mid-Atlantic Territory ran through the Carolinas, a portion of Georgia, Virginia, and almost up to the Northeast. The Northeast then was promoted by the WWF. But I grew up as a lifelong fan, yes. How about that? And I must say, I've always enjoyed boxing, or what not doing it, but watching it. But I never really was uh, much um, intrigued with professional wrestling, except that um, last, uh, oh, in the early 2000s, if you will, I was working at a radio station in my hometown of Amsterdam, New York, and lo and behold, the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame located there. Uh, they have since moved on. I think they're in Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, and they would have events every year, and they'd bring wrestlers to town, you know, from the golden ages or the various ages of wrestling. Have you ever been to their museum, or do, do they pay attention to uh, black uh, wrestlers? They do. I haven't actually been there yet, but but they do. A lot of those older promotions and, and museums and hall of halls of fames, they pay they really do recognize the contributions of all the athletes. The issue what what, what inspired me to write the book was originally the original publication, the first publication came out in nineteen ninety nine. In nineteen ninety eight, two of the black professional wrestlers that I'd grown up watching passed away in 1998. That was Houston Harris, who wrestled under the name Bobo Brazil, mm -hmm. and Sylvester Ritter, who wrestled under the name The Junkyard Dog. These guys were extremely popular, and when they passed away, I, was, I looked around, I'm like, wow, no one's even written a book on these athletes. So I decided, hey, I'm going to write it. You know, and because I was a fan... Once I started writing, I'm like, well, if I write about this guy, how do I leave that guy out? <laughs> right. So it became an encyclopedia-type pro product because I wanted the first product that represented black athletes in professional wrestling to be a celebratory book 
and not something that dealt with some of the racism and some of that other stuff. I wanted it to be totally a celebration because when you get into race, then it deviates into all kinds of other different arguments, and I didn't want it to be that way. So your book then just chronicles the different wrestlers and their careers and, and so on, probably pictures and things? Yes, absolutely. They're pictures of themselves, their championships that they wore, won and wore, uh, their contributions, their their gimmicks, you know, the things that really made them who they were. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to celebrate all of these athletes because no one else had done it. Mm. Well, since you brought up two names, and I've heard those names my, myself, uh, you know, because it's hard. I said I, I haven't been much of a fan of professional wrestling, but it's sort of in the culture. I mean, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of people talk about it and see it and so on. So who was uh, Bobo Brazil? What was his, uh, you know, why, why do you have that name or what were his accomplishments? Great question, Bob. Bobo Brazil, his real name was Houston Harris. And Bobo Brazil was one of those early African-American pioneers, if you will, who really broke out in the 60s and 70s. He wrestled originally against guys like the great Luthez, Bruno San Martino. And obviously, at the time, there were a lot of, there were a few in some territories integrated matches so he wrestled against almost all the black wrestlers out there but interesting in the 1940s bobo was actually a a, one of the players in the baseball in the what was called the negro baseball leagues in the 1940s and in the 1960s he became so popular in professional wrestling that he was once billed as the negro world heavyweight champion huh. it, it sounds like if, if for wrestlers in particular because of the the nature of it uh it's more uh, theatrical than you know competition oriented but um you have to have a gimmick don't you absolutely because of what you just said bob it is more theatrical so in order to touch the fan base in order to get the butts in the seats and the people buying the tickets you got to have that gimmick a good gimmick that works (laughs) well what about the junkyard dog i mean he was kind of he portrayed himself as being kind of mean as i recall (laughs) and you know what that's another thing that's always been interesting about wrestling is some sometimes the guys who start off as quote-unquote bad guys or heels they end up becoming so popular. Right. And quite frankly, that character was really a, a, a very racist character for a black man to call himself the junkyard dog, and he wore chains around his neck. You know, it was, it was really a racist character, but he was so popular with his gimmick. He was actually, one time they did a survey. He was from New Orleans, and they did a survey in the state of, in, in the state of Louisiana and it, the Junkyard Dog back in the 70s was ranked the most popular athlete in the state of Louisiana, just above the New Orleans Saints. Oh, really? So he, as a professional wrestler, was more popular than the NFL team yeah. <laughs> there in the state. Well, st- st- staying with these two gentlemen, I mean, I hope you were able to tell me that, you know, after wrestling and they, you know, had a comfortable retirement and passed away. I mean, do, do you, 
how, did that happen, or what? What was their story? I think so. Yes, with Bobo Brazil. Yes, he did. He did live till to be about seventy four. I think seventy four years old. Uh, he was inducted in nineteen ninety four into the World Wrestling Entertainment WWE Hall of Fame, and. He lived out his life after being so popular in professional wrestling, after actually being a player in the Negro Leagues, baseball leagues. He he lived out, you know, and got to be an old age and enjoyed his life. Unfortunately, or tragically, the junkyard dog was visiting his daughter's, I think it was her college graduation, and he had a car wreck and died tragically. Uh, in again in 1998, he was going to see his daughter's graduation. Tragically, he was killed in a car accident, and like so many other professional wrestlers, have died at very young ages, regrettably. And like I said, in '98, those two men passing away were guys that I would looked up to as a wrestling fan, particularly as a young black male. You know, mm-hmm. those guys meant a lot to my childhood and just that tragic accident. And you know what, Bob? And I, I, no one remembers this now, but at the time, ESPN Network, when they announced the Junkyard Dog's tragic passing, they kind of made a joke, a slight joke about professional wrestling itself. You know, and, mm-hmm. and it was just it was just not proper to do to make a joke about wrestling when this man, you know, announcing this man's tragic passing. Yeah. Now, uh, you also, uh, again, the uh, book that uh, Julian Shabazz has written is called Black Stars of Professional Wrestling. It's in its uh, second edition. I I watched uh, several interviews that you did with other uh, folks, and on one of them you talked about uh, that your research has led you to what may have been the first uh, black wrestler in America, a man named Black Sam in the late 1800s? Yes. Oh, wow. Thank you, Bob. Black Sam. <laughs> that that story was interesting, and I was, in doing the research, I reached out to a lot of what's what would re- really be called uh, professional wrestling historians. These were guys who had worked for old wrestling magazines and as photographers and writers. So a lot of them helped me with this information. And the first guy I discovered, his name was Vero Small, the real name, V-I-R-O, Vero Small. He was originally from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in traveling, he went up to Vermont. And in Vermont, he was also, as you mentioned, boxing. He was a former boxer. He had been an ex-slave as well, moving up to Vermont. And and what I saw was that on a Saturday night in April of 1881, he substituted in New York for a Vermont wrestler. And he wrestled, actually, against a white guy at a show in New York City. And this is the first recorded black wrestler that I was aware of. He he lost the match to a man named Mike Horrigan. Mm-hmm. And Horrigan was the Vermont champion. Horrigan became so impressed with uh, Vero Small that he took him on the road with him, where he again won the Vermont title himself. And he proceeded to win around 
95% of his matches throughout his career, which laid the stage, the foundation for other black wrestlers to come into the sport. And you also, um, in, in one interview, talked about a, a wrestler uh, named Bearcat Wright and, and making the point that he refused to wrestle uh, in areas that barred interracial bouts. He sure did. He sure did. Bearcat Wright, <laughs> Bearcat Wright was really interesting. He was about six foot seven, and he weighed over three hundred pounds. <laughs> A really impressive physical specimen. And Bearcat Wright actually wrestled again against guys Luthes, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. He wrestled against all of the heroes the top wrestlers of his time in the 60s and in the 70s. And, yes, there was an incident where, for instance, say, say for instance, Bearcat's wrestling in Illinois, and he's wrestling integrated matches. He's wrestling against someone like Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. Buddy Rogers having been the champ, that's the top of the card. That's where the biggest money on the card is made. Well, you're right next door, and you go over to Indiana, and in Indiana, they had barred interracial, interracial, uh, uh, interracial matches in professional mm-hmm. wrestling. So now he has to go back down the card and just wrestle another black wrestler. And they're now mid-carders just making minimal money. So quite frankly, when Bearcat Wright stood up and said, I'll never wrestle another uh, arena that bars integrated matches, he not only was make, fighting a blow for social justice, but really he was fighting a blow, a blow for his financial status. You know? <laughs> I can understand. Well, um, certainly black boxers, going back to Jack Johnson, faced discrimination in the boxing world. And it sounds like, even though you, you've said and your book doesn't really dwell on this, uh, this apparently was also the case for black wrestlers. It most cer- it most certainly was. It was almost exactly the same thing. And the guy we just talked about, Bearcat Wright, was then after he made his stance, he became the first African American, similar to Jack Johnson in boxing. He became the first African American to hold a version of the world championship in professional wrestling he won what was called the big time wrestling promotion championship btw world championship so he's similar to jack in that he was a trailblazer for black world champions in professional wrestling but yeah they faced those same type of you know just like jack johnson i mean gosh jack johnson regularly when he fought the police would be around the ring <laughs> you know right <laughs> i mean gosh And the police sometimes were there to protect the fans. They were there to protect Jack. You know, it was, oh, my God, it was was something. I've seen some of those old films of Jack Johnson in the ring, and and the police are regularly in the ring with Jack Johnson. (laughs) Interesting, the uh, current president, uh, Donald Trump, just recently issued a pardon for Jack Johnson, posthumous pardon for him. Really? Jack Johnson. Yeah. 
We're talking with Julian Shabazz about his book, Black Stars of Professional Wrestling, Second Edition. We'll be back with him in just a moment. This is Bob Cudmore. I want to put in a word for our GoFundMe campaign, which keeps the Historian's podcast financially afloat. You can make a donation online. Go to GoFundMe.com forward slash Historians 2018. If you'd rather not uh, donate online using your credit card, you could send us a check. Uh, Make it out to me, Bob Cudmore, and send to Bob Cudmore at 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. And thank you very much. Julian Shabazz is with us. Uh, we're talking about Black Stars of Professional Wrestling, second edition. I do have other wrestlers I want to br- bring up with you, uh, uh, but we, we're starting to run, not short of time, but we're past the halfway point of the program. And I did want to make this point, because I saw you on an interview with uh, with some of today's African-American wrestlers, and We've been talking exclusively about about the male wrestlers, but there have, there are female African American wrestlers as well. Yes, and absolutely. Well, let me one ask one of one of the very first. Uh, we were talking about champions a moment ago. The first black female um, to win a recognized world championship was a wrestler named Jacqueline Moore and she wrestled relatively recently she just relatively recently retired but she was very prominent in the 90s and the 2000s uh with the WCW promotion as well as the WWE promotion and she won the WWE championship on September the 15th 1998 not only was she the first female uh, African-American to win a world championship. She actually was the first African-American to win a recognized world championship in the WWE. She actually won that title before Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, actually became the WWE champion as an African-American, later Booker T. Huffman, an African-American champion in the WWE as well. Are, and are they still wrestling or or no? Uh, well, well, Jacqueline has retired, but there are still a lot of female African American females out there now. Alicia Fox is a current wrestler now. Ember Moon is a current female African American, and they're both with the um, WWE uh, promotion right now. Hmm. And, and what about the current uh, crop of of male African American wrestlers? Oh, my goodness. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is head and shoulders above all of the current male African-American wrestlers out there. This guy literally, uh, along the lines of Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Luthez, he transcended the business when he really ascended in the 90s to become the world champion. Not only that... Then he went into Hollywood and became a major action movie star in Hollywood, which he still is right now. So he still does some wrestling now, obviously it's part-time, because he's a major Hollywood movie star. And 
that's not the first time that has happened. Because, again, let's go back and look at history. Uh, in the 19, uh, uh, way back at UCLA, it was, Un- University of California at Los Angeles, UCLA Bruins, they had their football team. Back in the day, they had two men on their football team. Uh, a receiver by the name of Woody Strode mm-hmm. and a halfback by the name of Kenny Washington. And a younger teammate came and joined the UCLA Bruins a year or two after those guys and became their teammate. His name was Jackie Robinson. Huh. And those three athletes were were universally called the Gold Dust Gang when they were students at UCLA competing. Mm-hmm. Well, the Gold Dust Gang, those three members, Kenny Washington, and Woody Strode, in 1946, they both signed with the Los Angeles Rams of the NFL National Football League, uh, integrating modern professional football. And the next year, their teammate, Jackie Robinson, signed with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947, integrating Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. UCLA is such a, was such a, an, an institution at the time that they actually had those three as students there in in the in back in the day and one more thing about Woody Strode in the 1936 Olympics when he was competing in track as he also did at UCLA competed in track as well as football Adolf Hitler saw Woody Strode for the US team and he was so impressed with his physique that he commissioned a German uh, uh, painter to paint a portrait of Woody Strode's body because he had never seen a physique mm. that put well put together. Woody Strode went on after his professional football career ended to integrate and be one, become one of the early pioneers in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then Woody Strode, after his wrestling career, became a major movie star at the time, including appearing in movies like Sergeant Rutledge and and uh, Spartacus with Kirk Douglas. Really? Um, yes. So and there's this sort of back and forth. I mean, different sports. Uh, let's say somebody like Woody Strode, football, and then he goes into pro wrestling, and then he's into the into the movies. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. You and you see that all the time, uh, just like in this in the seventies. Uh, uh, Ernie Ladd. Ernie Ladd had been a student at Grambling University, historically black college. Had played for the legendary Eddie Eddie Robinson on Grambling's football team, and at the time he did not get drafted into the NFL, but he was drafted into the AFL with the Houston Oilers. And after his professional career ended, he became a major star in professional wrestling. All the way leading up to the day how The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, was an athlete on the University of Miami Hurricanes team in college and going into the Canadian Football League after his football career ended in the Canadian Football League, he comes in, becomes a major star in professional wrestling. Hmm. Let me ask you some about the book before we do run out of time. Uh, Julian Shabazz is with us, Black Stars of Professional Wrestling, second edition. The first edition came out in 1999? 
That's correct. And the uh, second, correct. go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bob. I apologize. No, I, I was just going to add. So it came out in 1999, and when did the second edition come out? And the second edition came out in 2010, yes. And now people have been browbeating me that you got to it's time for a third edition, and I'm going to have to acquiesce and do that as well. <laughs> yes, I, again, I heard you make that uh, remark on one of the other interviews that I saw, um, because there's always new material. Where is the book available? I mean, is it through Amazon primarily and... It is, it is available through Amazon as well as um, many stores have it because I'm, I'm distributed through uh, Ingram. So stores, if they don't have it actually in, they can get a copy in through their distributors. But Amazon is a quick place as well as my own personal website, julianshabazz.com. julianshabazz.com. And do you still go to wrestling matches? All the time. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you have family? Love it, love it, love it. Do you have kids? I mean, have they grown up watching the wrestling too? or They most certainly have, absolutely. And we go to shows as well. <laughs> well who runs wrestling today? You, uh, I, I've heard you use the you know, the WWE, there's WCW. I mean, what, I don't know, what's the lay of the land yeah, well, right now, the biggest company out there is still WWE, promoted and owned by Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon right now is the top promoter in professional wrestling. and But it, there is competition out there from the uh, Total Nonstop Action Professional Wrestling Organization, TNA, Total Nonstop Action, or Impact Wrestling. They're out there on the national scene as well. Is you find a lot of it on television still? Oh yes. Oh, 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 they all have television deals. Quite frankly, the television deals really kind of killed the old territory promotions. Not really killed. They're not totally dead, but they kind of sucked the life out of them <laughs> mm. because everyone used to have individual. Uh, television promotions in different segments of the country. Now you got one or two national promotions that dominate everything now. Mm. Now I saw you on one interview show with several uh, people, you know, who are African American wrestlers, and the question was, well, does one of these organizations, WWE or ECW or WCW? provide the the best deal for black wrestlers and it seemed to me that the wrestlers said it was the WCW. Uh well at the time at the time uh I think I know the sh the show you saw and at the time there was a war going between WCW and WWE at the time they were at war with each other ultimately WWE ultimately did win the war and put them out of business and purchased WCW. And the, that show I was on, it was interesting because of the war at the time, WWE and WCW would not allow performers from their brands to be on a show with the other brand. Mm -hmm. So all those athletes that were on there were all WCW performers at that time. I see. So that's <laughs> maybe why they favored them. but That was exactly why they favored WCW. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you said you 
is Dwayne Johnson your favorite right now? I mean, you have a personal favorite who's wrestling? No, I don't. I don't have a personal. I, I really like Dwayne Johnson, but but I personally like them all. <laughs> I like it. You know what, Bob? I, I'll be totally honest with you. If I had to say one professional wrestler was probably my favorite, we're going back to an old school classic, and that is Nature Boy Ric Flair. I grew up watching Ric Flair. No, he's not an African American. But, hey, I'm a wrestling fan, so I like everyone. And Ric Flair was probably the person that influenced me my whole life more than any. Well, Julian Shabazz, a pleasure talking with you on the Historian's Podcast. You have a good day. Thank you so much, Bob. Julian Shabazz is author of the book Black Stars of Professional Wrestling, second edition. He has a website with his... uh, with his name, Julian Shabazz, S-H-A-B-A-Z-Z. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.